I know, you're all frozen. I, I, I can still hear it there in your voice. It has been freezing cold this week, literally, right? And it has been, actually it's been so cold that you've been reminded why you did not take that job up in North Dakota. That was a good reminder from God, telling you that's why you turned the job down. You cannot survive at this kind of temperature. You found out. You've been stuck inside. It, it, was, it was Monday evening, and you were already getting the shakes because you're like, I'm going to have to be in this house how long with these children? I mean, it was starting to just, just start to overwhelm you just a little bit. And then it just stayed cold the entire time. You know, some of you, even next week, you're going to walk through turning all the faucets in your house on before you go to bed, right? You're just in that habit. Off you go. There was a time when I thought I wanted to move to Cody, Wyoming. I saw in, in, in some periodical the fact that there was, there, was a, uh, there was a preacher opening in Cody, Wyoming. A little small church, 25, I'm sure wonderful people who gathered there. And they were looking for a preacher. And I thought this would be, man, this would be an awesome move for our young family. And in fact, I kind of envision the picture that you see there kind of being on the website as my profile picture. I, I thought, I can, I can pull this off. You know, I, I can do this. And so I went to Tanya and I'm like, hey, look, there's this church, Cody, Wyoming, and it's going to be great, 25 members. And, and, and I want you to picture, you know, the jacket with the, the fuzzy stuff on the inside and the, and the hat and the jeans and the belt buckle. And she was like, uh, no. Instead, this is her vision of what I would look like on the website. Next picture, please. Yeah. She was like, no, no, you've got the wrong idea. And so she kind of explained it to me more fully. She was very biblical, you know. She explained the word of the Lord to me in greater detail. And so I was like, all right, I'm not going to apply to Cody, Wyoming. And so instead, we end up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I'm not going to have to worry about anything like this, right? How many of you looked like this at some point in time this last week? You, you did, I know. There, there, there are going to be pictures out there that are going to come back and they're going to haunt you. It has been a freezing week. But don't worry. Today, high 29. You're going to, man, it's going to be so warm, right? I hope you wore layers so you can just start shedding those things today. By the time you leave our small group studies, it's going to be a blistering 20 degrees. And you're just going to be able just to go, whoo, man, feels good. And then next week, when it hits 65, you're going to be like, the sun! Oh, the sun! I can't take it anymore. Man, it's a crazy, crazy time. Crazy time of year. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we kicked things off together. And, and I talked to you about how that, in professional and even in amateur soccer, that players will pass up what is a higher percentage kick. A, a kick that will score a goal a higher percentage of the time, they will pass that kick up, and they will instead settle for a lower percentage opportunity, all because, well, it's just what, it's just what you do. You see, 98% of the time, the keeper is going to dive either to the left or the right. It's just what happens. 
That, that, that's kind of just the way that it works out. 98% of the time, left or right, to be able to block the oncoming kick. Only 2% of the time will the keeper stand right there in the middle. And so you actually have a much greater percentage chance of making the goal if you will just kick it straight. The only problem is, well, players rarely do that. Only at about a 17% clip will they actually kick it straight. Now, I shared that with everyone, and, and, and those soccer aficionados that we have as a part of our church family, word got back to me that your response was, well, he just made that up. Now, I don't know what bothered me more once I heard that, I don't know if it's because you did not trust my soccer knowledge or if it was the fact that you think your preacher just makes stuff up. You know, I don't know which one kind of, kind of, hurt, kind of hurt worse. I did, not, I did not make it up. I got it off the internet. And so you know that it has... No, no, I actually... I, I, did, not, I did not get it off the internet. I actually got it out of this book right here. It's called... Think Like a Freak. Yeah, Think Like a Freak, Stephen Levitt and Stephen Dubner. And, and they talk about it right there in the, beginning, in the beginning of the book. And I thought, well, that's really cool. And so I, I want to share that with everybody. It'd be a great little illustration, only to find out that, man, you don't trust your preacher. So um, I thought I would come with proof today. You can look it up. It's in Think Like a Freak. And do you know the main reason that they give for elite players not kicking the ball straight. The main reason they give what you would think would be just a, a no-brainer, fear. They say it's fear. Because when it comes right down to it, guys, we are afraid to be different. We are. Each of us has been conditioned for sameness. We, we like it when we are liked and when we're thought of in a positive manner. Not only do we want to be included and accepted, psychological studies have actually found that social confirmation is at least in part hardwired into the very structure of our brain. See, it's not that, that you just want to be a part of the in crowd. At some level, you need to be a part of the in crowd. And so it's why we adopt groupthink. It's why all of a sudden we all have to run out and buy Stanley Cups. Yeah, see, you've done that, right? Like, why? Because you've got to be in the in crowd. It's why even though our church is an autonomous congregation, there's the expectation that we will look similar to other churches of Christ in town. You see, from sports to shopping to even spirituality, we are all the same in the fact that we are all afraid to be different. Fear is actually our common denominator. It's something that each and every one of us share. Whether you're here on our campus this morning or you are listening online, we're afraid. It's why when individuals or groups do something that are, that's outside the norm, they are often described with the moniker, no fear. Isn't that cool? Wouldn't you like to be described that way? Wouldn't you like to have a life that was a life that was described as no fear? If that is the life that you would want, go ahead. Just raise your hand. And now I see you. You're looking around to see 
Is anybody else going to raise their hand? See, you're afraid. You won't do it. You won't. You want to make sure that somebody else is going to put up their hand first. But what if the no fear, what if the different life is the life that God desires from each and every one of us? In fact, what if we were actually disobeying God by cautiously kicking to the corners? Now that's a different view, isn't it? Friends, I just think the more the more we consider this idea, the more that we begin to realize courage is a quality that is desperately needed for the people of God. Courage. Otherwise, we will never attempt or we'll never become anything different. So what I want us to do this morning is return to our Bibles, a great place to go when it comes to looking for courage. And I want us to be reminded, be reminded how good different can be and hopefully be able to encourage one another to go out and live truly a life of courage in the face of so many fearful things. Father, I just pray that as we go to your word this morning that we will go with open minds, we will go with open hearts, and Father, that we will go there not being afraid of what we will find. And we will leave this morning as individuals, not fearing to be different. In your name, amen. When Moses died, God needed someone else to lead the Israelites into Canaan. And so he appointed this guy named Joshua. Now here's what's interesting about Joshua and his story. Forty years earlier, the Israelites stood on the outskirts of Canaan. That was the land that had been promised to them by God and had been promised to Abraham centuries before and all of his descendants. Forty years earlier, there Joshua was on the outskirts as Moses sent Joshua along with 11 other men to scout out the land to find out more about it. Joshua's one of those guys. He's going to be able to go and walk on the promised land ground. For the first time since Abraham. Now after he goes into the land with the other spies, they all come back and ten of the spies give the following report. You can read about it in Numbers chapters 13, 14, and 15, but here's basically the report that they gave Moses. We went into the land which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. They even brought back some of the fruit to show off, but they said, However, the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. They come back and go, we, we just can't do this. Because all the people that we saw there of great size, giants lived in the land. And they said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. They come back and say, the cities are too fortified, the people are too big, they are filled with fear. And they come back and tell Moses and the people, we can't do this. But Joshua, Joshua was one of two men. Joshua was one of two of the 12 total who came back and said, oh, wait, wait, wait. We've got this. God has promised us the land. God has given us the land. And by the power of God, we will go and inhabit the land. Now understand, these spies, they saw the same land. They came back with the same report about the land. 
But Joshua, he comes to a totally different conclusion. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Why was it that Joshua had a different view about what the outcome could be? Well, the other spies, I think, came back and they shared what they saw. And no doubt they could have said, hey, look, we gave a logical, we gave a reasonable, and we gave a factual report. They could have said that. And it would have been true. But you know what? Did you know that God called their report an evil report? He did. Not because that they lied. Not because they made something up. It wasn't because they exaggerated and were like, oh, there are big people there and there are these large cities and they are fortified. It wasn't because they lied. It was because they left him out of the report. And that was the difference. You see, the ten spies didn't include God. They didn't remember the mighty acts of God that had brought them to that point. They didn't account for the faithfulness of God to keep his promise. Joshua, he not only saw the land, he not only saw the people, but he saw God. And my question for us today as the people of God is do we see him in the midst of all of our giants? Do we see him? Because I think sometimes we allow our good sense to limit our vision of God. A God who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And you know, we, we hear it in churches all the time. Phrases like, well, how are we going to do this? And how are we going to do that? And how are we going to afford this new ministry? And how are we going to reach more people? And how are we going to change hearts and minds? And churches as a whole, well, they just echo what is being voiced by each member. How am I going to overcome this sin? How am I going to give generously? How am I going to, to make things right with my kids? How am I going to get along with my ex? How am I going to forgive? And how am I going to trust? And how am I going to, to change how and how and, and how. And, and guys, I just think, you know what? We can how the will of God to death. We can. We can see where God leads. We can see what God has promised. And we can walk around in circles going, well, how and, and how and how am I and, and how are we? Or, or we can be different. We can be different. We can see the, the opportunities, and we can see the obstacles, but we can also see God. And that's different. Joshua and his buddy were different. They had vision. They saw God in Canaan. But the rest of the spies were sightseers. They just went in and and, and took in all the sights that were around, and they saw the big people. They saw the fortified cities. Vision produces faith. But sightseeing produces fear. And sadly, fear seems to be much more contagious. So it says that after these spies came back, and after the majority give the report saying, oh, everybody is so big, and everything is so strong, well, it says the people, after they heard this, they went to their tents, and they wept, and they cried, and they wailed out loud, because the report that was shared by the sightseers, it made them afraid. But here's the irony. 
The irony is that the people that lived in the land of Canaan were terrified of the Israelites. Now the way that we know this is because, well, 40 years later, when, when Joshua is going to carry a new generation, a different generation of Israelites in the land, he again sends a couple of spies in and they go to the city of Jericho. They talk to a woman there and the woman says, we are scared to death of you people. But why are they scared? She says, we have heard the report of what happened in Egypt. We've heard what happened in Egypt. We, we have heard the story of how you crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. We have heard about your God. Friends, that story was 40 years old. 40 years old, and it's being passed from person to person, from family to family. And now the word comes, the Israelites, they're coming into the land, and they are scared to death. And I want you to think about it. They're quaking. And the people of Canaan, they have more vision than the Israelites. People who had only heard about the power of God had more faith than the people who had witnessed the power of God. And I just wonder, I just wonder if something similar is true and happening today. I wonder if there are those, I wonder if there are those who don't share our beliefs, who don't share our practices, but have more faith in the power of God than we do. Individuals willing to courageously break down the walls and strongholds of apathy and injustice, and bigotry, and division, and hate, because it's the right thing to do, all the while the church people fearfully weep aloud in their tents about the giants that are in this world. And don't misunderstand. There are giants in this world. There are giants that are in the land. There are big obstacles that are out there facing God's people. But if an individual or a church wants to be afraid, then the enemy will always give that individual, will always give that church a reason to be afraid. We look like grasshoppers. We look like grasshoppers to them is what they said. Well, how did they know that? Did they go and ask anybody? No. They were just assuming that because they were afraid of the giants. And all that God has done in the past, and all of his mighty acts, all of those things that have taken place in your life mean nothing if you do not want to see the future that God has in store. So if you want to live by sight instead of vision when it comes to your witness, so that you never have to share the good news of Jesus with anybody, and if you want to live by sight instead of vision when it comes to your finances, so that you never have to make any kind of huge sacrifice in your life for the kingdom of God. And if you want to live by sight instead of vision when it comes to caring for the hurting and the marginalized around us so that you never have to be made to feel uncomfortable, if you want to live by sight, the enemy will always give you a reason to do it. But it's going to mean a life of wandering. A life of wandering. Guys, we're talking here about the generation that saw the plagues. 
They were the generation that walked on dry ground through a sea. They were the generation that received the law of God, but that's not how they are remembered. They are remembered as the generation that became great at having funerals. Because that's all they did for the next 40 years. They walked and camped and had funerals. So Joshua was a part of that group. Joshua was a part of that group. He was one of the spies. But he said, we can do it. He said, we can do it. But the people were so filled with fear that they spent the next 40 years wandering. But 40 years later, Joshua is now in charge of a different generation of Israelites. And they are going to have a second chance to claim this promised land. And that's where we're going to pick up. Joshua chapter 1. It's in your Old Testament. God says to Joshua, starting in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am going to give them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land that I have given to you. No one will be able to stand against you as, as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. So be strong. Be courageous. For you are the one that will lead these people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors that I would give to them. And in verse 7, the Lord says again, be strong and very courageous. Understand, he's telling this to Joshua, to a seasoned warrior. He knows it's not going to be easy. He's been in the land. He has seen the walls. He has seen the giants. He knows what they're up against. But yet God is going to tell him four different times here in this short little passage, four different times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. The people, they're not there yet. They haven't come to a city yet. But here is what God is doing. He is preparing Joshua and he is preparing the people ahead of time of what is going to happen later. And here's what I think that you can already probably see in your very own story. God prepares us now for what will be required later. Have you experienced this? That you can look back and you can see that what you went through years ago or a message that you just heard a couple of months ago or, or a conversation that you had this past week? Can, can you look back? Can you remember? Can you see? Can you begin to, to understand? Do you have the vision to be able to comprehend that God has for maybe a week, a month, or a year? It hasn't been an accident, but he is preparing you for an experience that you were going to have later. And whether or not you realize it, whether or not you see it right now or not, it is happening to you right here in this very moment. Because this week, you are going to be called upon to be a person of courage, to be a person of obedience, faith, to be a person who goes against your fears and to be different, to step out, to take a risk on behalf of God and his kingdom, 
And God has been preparing you over the last six months, or maybe even over the last six years, for what you are going to experience during this next week. And it's going to take courage. Oh, it's going to take courage. Because everybody else is going to tell you, kick for the corners. But it's going to take courage to kick straight and to face a cancer diagnosis, knowing that the treatments are going to steal what little strength that you still have left. And it's going to take courage. Guys, it's going to take courage. Those of you that are, that are in high school, those of you that are in college, it's going to take courage to go and walk back onto campus and face the peer pressure that exists to jettison your values and to walk away from your faith. And it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage for someone who perhaps even here at the end of this service who's been putting off the decision that you know that you need to make to be baptized into Christ to come forward in front of all these people because you're nervous about what others are going to think and what others are going to say and you're not necessarily being supported by your family. That's courage. It's courage. When this week a young lady who perhaps hears this message goes and breaks off a relationship with a guy that she really likes, but she knows that this isn't what God wants for her. That's courage. It'll be courage tonight when a husband says to his wife, what, what, if, what if we start praying together? I haven't really done a very good job of being a spiritual leader for this home, but I want to start. It takes Courage. It takes courage to, to sit across from a friend and say, I, I just can't seem to control my temper. And, and, and I keep flying off the handle and, and I yell at my kids and I'm becoming angry with my spouse. Or I'm struggling with, with drinking and it's just gotten out of control. Or I'm struggling with my mental health and it's hard just to stay focused. It's hard. It's hard to be that honest and it's hard to be that transparent. It takes courage it takes courage for a church community to look out at, at new generations that are growing up, moving further and further away from God and, and making choices and decisions in order to be able to, to have a voice and to be able to speak in to the lives of those individuals and to be able to be relevant with the message of Jesus Christ. It takes courage. It takes courage to fight for a marriage when you're married to someone that you really no longer feel in love with. It takes courage. And I just think that much more than we realize, courage is a quality that is desperately needed for the people of God. Because how else are we going to confront the giants of addiction and, and the giants of greed and, and lust and, and selfishness and all those other giants that are walking around in our culture and they're living in our homes and they're present every single place it seems like that we go. And when everyone else is bringing a godless report about our present and about our future circumstances, we need the courage to be able to speak about God's power and about God's purpose. And friends, if as you're listening to this, you're like, you know what? That's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. That's the church I want to be a part of. That's the family I want to have. That's the witness that I want to be known for. Then you need to be able to rejoice this morning because I believe that God has prepared you ahead of time for the challenges and for the obstacles that you're going to experience this week.
so that we will have the courage to respond differently. So that instead of pride, we will exhibit humility. That instead of staying silent, we're going to speak out. Instead of reacting with anger, we will respond with patience. Instead of me just focusing on my needs, I will be concerned about, well, yours. Instead of worrying, I will trust. Instead of gossiping, I will encourage. Instead of cursing, I will praise. Instead of denying, I will confess. And I will enter the land, I will enter the space, I will enter the home, the job, the school, where God has called me to live, and I will live differently with no fear. Because that's what God has prepared me for. Friends, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I don't know if yours has been a life of wandering or a life of claiming. But I do know what it can be. I do. Because I believe that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. I believe that, that God has, has raised up men and women and has been preparing men and women for this moment. And he's been preparing you for what it is that you are about to walk into, for the land that you currently right now inhabit. And, and, and so we're about, to, we're about to sing together a song that is called, How Great Is Our God. And we're going to sing this song together because it is going to be one of those moments where we need to be filled with courage. It's one of those moments where we need to be reminded of a God that can do immeasurably more than anything that we can ask or imagine. Because there are giants that you and I are going to be facing, not just this week, but this very day, and maybe the giant of fear has just got his arms wrapped right around you at this very moment. And you're already thinking about what is going to come. And I want you to be able to sing about the God that lives in the midst of giants. And then it encourages his people to walk into the land and to claim it for him. So while we are singing, would you perhaps, would you perhaps be encouraged to come before this family, confess your belief in a great and glorious God, believing that his son is not just the savior of this world, but that he is the savior of your soul. And would you come and be baptized this morning, committing yourself to a life of conquering? Would you throw off fear and, and would you come this morning and repent of your decision, maybe in the past, just to stand still and attempt nothing in the name of God or for his kingdom? Would you throw fear aside and say, Lord, I'm going to live and I'm going to speak for you? Would you come this morning and proclaim that, you know what, you're not going to retire? Oh, it's been, it's been 40 years since, since you first perhaps walked into the land in the name of God. And maybe there were others who said, you just need to calm it down there, soldier. You just need to calm down because they, we just can't. We, we can't go there. We can't do that. You don't need to say that. You don't need to, to be that person. Maybe it's been 40 years and you know what? You've just gotten used to just going through the motions and the apathy has just been building. But now you said, you know what? I'm 40 years older and I'm not ready to retire. I'm going to continue walking by faith. 
Maybe as we stand and as we sing this song together, maybe you need to walk, maybe not here to the front before this family. Maybe you need to go to the back and into our lobby and, and there is a prayer room and you just need to have some private time with God. One of our elders will be there and if you'd like to have prayer with him, you're welcome to. If you'd like to have a conversation about the fears that have been enveloping you, he would love to be able to have that. If you'd like to talk more about what does it mean to be baptized into Christ, that's a great opportunity for you. Friends, the opportunity is right in front of you. You stand right now in this space, in a place where you can be free of fear, where you no longer have to kick for the corners, where you can look straight ahead and you can see the giant that is standing before you and then kick it straight. Do something different. Live for God this week and walk into the land and claim it in the midst of the giants. Let's stand and give him praise.